Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. The title of my message today is Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Have you ever been present during a situation that uh, took a turn for the worse and escalated to the point that it got out of control? You ever been involved in a situation like that? It's funny because it seems like the craziest things always happen to my wife on the train when I'm not with her, okay? Um, uh, A while back, she was on the train with my two kids. Uh, My son is eight, my daughter is six, and there was this couple on the train and they started arguing back and forth. And all of a sudden, it escalated And the woman reared back and punched the guy in the face, right in the eye. And so the guy starts holding his eye and he's saying, I I can't believe you did this to me. Did anybody see what she just did? Did anybody see what she just did? And and so he's like, his eyes are watering and he's holding his eye and all that. And uh, he's, he's just going crazy. And then all of a sudden he punches his wife, like right on the train. And they both get up and they start brawling MMA style like crazy on the train, just like a boxing match, just nuts. And my wife was freaking out because she had our two kids there and she thought as they were punching each other and throwing each other around like rag dolls that they were gonna get hurt. And right when she had that thought, this man, this giant man came and stood over my children and spread his body out and literally guarded them from what was going on. And while this is happening, this brilliant guy decides to, to, to pull on the emergency brake on the train while this couple is fighting midway through the stop. And so the train stops, but they continue to fight. And it just gets crazier and crazier until finally the train gets back going. They get off the train and uh, we don't know what happened to that couple, uh, but it was a crazy, crazy situation. Anyways, in the story we're looking at today, Paul finds himself in a situation where anger is boiling over and it is escalating into an out-of-control situation. And so uh, we're going to be picking up the story in the book of Acts, chapter number 23, if you want to turn there, or it'll be up on the screen for you to read along. And we are going to read verses 10 and 11. And it says this, as the conflict grew more violent, the commander was afraid they would tear Paul apart. So he ordered his soldiers to go and rescue him by force and take him back to the fortress. That night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, be encouraged, Paul, just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. Let's pray together. Father, I just pray that you would help me to communicate exactly what you want me to communicate today. And Lord, I just pray that everybody in here would be um, just ready to receive the word this morning, prepared to receive the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just to give you a little context and backstory here, Paul has just arrived in Jerusalem, capping off his third missionary journey. It's around 57 AD. And Paul was warned a couple times by his friends and even by a prophet not to go to Jerusalem because He was going to be imprisoned, and he was going to be physically harmed if he were to go back. But Paul, who was no wimp, 
okay? And despite the warnings, told those that were urging him to stay away from Jerusalem that he is not only ready to be imprisoned for the sake of the gospel, but he is ready to die for the sake of the call of Jesus Christ. When you are willing to die for the cause of Christ, there is nothing, and I say nothing, on this earth that can stop you. Amen? So Paul ends up going to Jerusalem, and he's only there for a little over a week, and he's in the temple. And while in the temple, some Jews from Asia, they start stirring up the crowd against Paul, accusing him of preaching against the Jews and preaching against the law. And so they grab Paul from inside the temple, they drag him outside of the temple, and they start beating him to a bloody pulp. A Roman commander finds out about what is happening and comes down with some soldiers and stops the melee before they actually kill Paul. The Roman commander ends up imprisoning Paul, and when he finds out he is a Roman citizen, he releases him but brings him to the Jewish court in order to find out why he was being accused in the first place. And inside the court, things don't get any better. The Pharisees and Sadducees, which were different religious parties, they start arguing and debating with each other and causing such an uproar that the Roman commander literally thought that Paul was going to get torn into pieces. So he rescues Paul, takes him back to the barracks, and he is under the surveillance and under arrest under the Roman guard because he was just trying to protect him from the mob. Talk about a pretty bad day. Paul was falsely accused of things he wasn't doing, he was beaten by a mob badly. He was arrested. He was released and had to be rescued from the Pharisees and Sadducees. And now he was back in custody of the Roman commander. Okay, if any of you have had a bad day or a bad week, just look at Paul and it should make you feel a little bit better, right? You haven't had that bad of a day. For those of you who have ever gone through a valley, you'll relate to my next statement. It's not during the good times that you experience God's presence in a deep way, but usually during the dark moments of our lives where we experience the depth of God's presence. I know it's been during the valleys, during the dark times, during the times where I was confused, during the times where it felt like God was far from me, that, that it was in those moments that, that God showed up and I felt His love and His presence in a depth. Of, of joy that I've never experienced before. Psalm 46 and 1 says this. This is one of my favorite verses. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. An ever-present help in trouble. That means God is present when we are in trouble. He's not indifferent when we're in trouble. He's not absent when we're in trouble, but He is present when we are in trouble. And it's not that God is not around when we're not in trouble. I think it's that we actually look for Him when we're in trouble. But He's present all the time. When I was a kid and we were at a store, uh, I didn't notice my need for my parents until I couldn't find them anymore. I would wander off looking for something, and all of a sudden I wouldn't be able to see my parents, and I would start to panic in fear because I didn't know where my parents were at. I didn't know if they had left me, if they had forgotten about me, or what. And so all I could think about was seeing my parents' face because I knew if I could see my dad's face or my mom's face, that meant safety. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As Paul's future was uncertain, 
as Paul was in hiding because there were people who hated him and wanted him dead, God had never left him. Did you hear that? God had never left him. A lot of times when bad things are happening in our lives, we tend to believe the lie that God has for some reason left us, that God has for some reason abandoned us, that God for some reason has forgotten about us. When we receive a bad diagnosis or when a spouse decides to leave us or when we lose our job unexpectedly, we all of a sudden think that God has forgotten about us, God has abandoned us, and God has left us. But I want you to know something today, church. If you are in a dark valley right now, I want you to know that God has not left you. God has not abandoned you and God has not forgotten about you. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. I need you to know that. I need you to believe that. And I need you to stand on that. Amen? It was with this backdrop that I read the text at the beginning of my message. Let's look at Acts uh, chapter 23 and verse 11 again. That night, that night that all of these things that I just talked about happened to Paul, okay? That night the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. During that night, the Lord Jesus himself appears to Paul and tells him to be encouraged. The uh, NASB says Jesus told Paul to take courage, okay? That word courage in the original language means to have confidence and firmness of purpose in the face of danger or testing. That's what Jesus showed up to Paul in that prison and he told him, take courage. In other words, to not be shaken when everything is shaking around you, when everything is out of control around you, when everything is uncertain around you, you can be courageous. You can be bold and you can stand strong. Amen. This word courage is the same word Jesus used when addressing his disciples in John chapter 16 and verse 33. He says this, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. If you are going through a difficult time today, take courage. If you are being tested or tried today, take courage. If you are being mistreated or misunderstood today, take courage. You can be courageous in the face of anything you're facing today, not because you are strong enough, not because you can will it to happen, but because Jesus overcame the world. And if Jesus, the overcomer, is living inside of you, okay, you can overcome anything through his strength today. Amen. What a beautiful moment this was. Paul, completely helpless, locked up in a Roman prison, yet the Lord Jesus comes to him in the middle of the night and gives him a promise of protection. He tells him that it is not his time to go because he is not finished with him yet. Although Jesus encourages Paul, he doesn't stop there. He then goes on to give Paul an assignment. And my first point today is this. It's often during our dark times that God gives us an assignment. Let me say that again. It's often during the dark times that God gives us 
an assignment. It's when we're battling depression that God tells us that he wants us to help others battling depression. It's oftentimes when we're battling and going through a time of fear that God calls us to help others overcome fear in their lives. Jesus doesn't encourage us in our dark times through self-pity. He encourages us by giving us something to do. Overcoming dark times usually doesn't happen by focusing on yourself. It usually happens by shifting your focus to others. Amen. And as counterintuitive as this sounds, we usually become free by helping others become free. Amen. Oftentimes, our greatest ministry is birthed out of our greatest pain. Moses was called to deliver his people from slavery, but not until he felt the pain of having an identity crisis growing up in the palace of Egypt, but being Hebrew by birth. David became Israel's greatest king, but not until he understood what it felt like to be hated by someone that was jealous of him, which resulted in being chased by a wicked, insecure king for years, not having a home, going from cave to cave, just finding places to stay because he was a fugitive on the run and he didn't commit any crime. Jesus birthed the church, but only after he suffered on the cross for our sins. My wife Priscilla is currently teaching a comprehensive birth class to a group of pregnant women at a crisis pregnancy home in the Bronx. These women at the pregnancy home were contemplating abortion uh, until they found out about this home. They didn't want an abortion, but they felt like it was their only choice for a variety of reasons. Many of them are in poverty. Many of them have been kicked out of their house by their parents. Many of them felt like they had no other options. This ministry to pregnant mothers facing crisis for my wife was birthed out of a pain of her being an, an abortion survivor herself. Her mother was 16 years old when she became pregnant with Priscilla. And because she felt like she had no other options and because she felt pressured by family, she actually uh, tried aborting Priscilla while she was in the womb. She had two saline injections, but by the grace of God, they did not work. And I thank God it did not work because she's sitting right here before you. She's the mother of my children. She's my co-laborer in Christ. And her ministry to these pregnant mothers in the Bronx, which the Bronx is the highest, uh, uh, they have the most abortions uh, among the five boroughs. There, there, there are, uh, it, it, with some minorities, there are more babies being aborted than being birthed in the Bronx. Yeah. And so uh, this ministry that Priscilla has was birthed out of her own experience yeah. And now she gets to help mothers that were in the same place and stage of life that her mother was in when she was 16 years old. Paul, beaten, discouraged, misunderstood and lied on, received an, an, an assignment from Jesus. You are heading to Rome. I want you to proclaim the gospel in Rome just as you have proclaimed the gospel here in Jerusalem. So therefore, take courage because no weapon formed against you is going to be allowed to prosper because, son, you are headed to Rome. What is your assignment? What has God called you to accomplish in this season of your life? For those of you that are in school right now, how can you take the gospel to your classmates? For those of you in the workforce, how can you take the gospel 
to your co-workers? How can we take the gospel to our neighbors? How can we take the gospel to our families? How can we live out the gospel intentionally in our neighborhoods? How can we live out the gospel as we walk through these doors and we walk into our apartments and we walk into our co-ops and we walk into our coffee shops and our, the, our favorite restaurants and the grocery stores and, and as we walk the streets of New York City, how can we live intentionally and bring the gospel everywhere we go? You would expect that right after Jesus appears to Paul in prison and encourages him and gives him an assignment that everything was sort of a line for Paul to go to Rome, right? That, that once Jesus appeared to Paul, that doors would start to open for Paul to go to Rome. You would assume that that would be what happens next, right? Well, if you thought that, you are dead wrong. Let's see what happens next in verse number 12. The next morning, a group of Jews got together and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. Verse 13, there were more than 40 of them in the conspiracy. They went to the leading priests and elders and told them, we have bound ourselves with an oath to eat nothing until we have killed Paul. My second point today is when God gives us an assignment, Satan tries to kill us. I know that's blunt, okay? But I have met too many people that the moment they start to walk out their God-given assignment, they get attacked them or their families. Yeah. Something happens, maybe spiritually, maybe physically, maybe emotionally, whatever it is. I've seen too many people, as soon as they step out into the assignment God has called them to do, something happens. They get attacked by the enemy. In fact, I met a lady the other day that told me that she, as, just as she was stepping into her calling, she got hit with a bout of depression so strong yeah. that she could barely get out of bed for weeks. You've heard me talk about this many times, but the moment Priscilla and I said yes to the call to move to New York City to plant this church, I was diagnosed with cancer. The devil tries to kill our dream by killing us. Why? Because he knows the most effective strategy in thwarting God's plan is to go directly to the source and try to take them out. How many of you want to walk in God's call for your life now? Isn't that an encouraging message? <laughs> Hopefully it'll get more encouraging here. The morning after Paul, but right now it's not. The morning after Paul gets a visitation from Jesus, a group of 40 Jews conspire together and come up with a plot to kill Paul. They make an oath not to eat or drink until this takes place. And that word oath, in the original language means to bind oneself under a curse if he or she does not fulfill that oath. This is incredibly strong language. This is how much these Jews hated Paul and wanted to see him gone. What is sad is that these people conspiring to murder Paul considered themselves religious. They kept the law. I guess they forgot the thy shalt not murder one, but I guess the other ones they kept. They somehow believed what they were doing was good. I initially heard this statement from Pastor Erwin McManus, and it rocked my world, and I've shared it with you before, but I want to share it with you again. And it goes like this. 
Jesus will never give you an easier life than before he saved you. Okay? Jesus will never give you a more comfortable life than before you started following him. You have got to get that in your heart, church. He'll give you a more adventurous life. He'll definitely give you a more fulfilling life, but he's not going to give you an easier life or a more comfortable life. For those of us who have grown up here in America, I fear that we struggle in knowing what it actually means biblically to follow Jesus in this world. Many people follow Jesus simply because they want an easier or more convenient life. Many people follow Jesus because they're hoping he'll get them out of trouble. Many people follow Jesus so that he can help them out a little in life. They just need a little self-help. They just need a little assistance in life. And so they think Jesus may help them in this journey to a better life. What about following Jesus when 40 religious people conspire to kill you and rid the earth of you? What about following Jesus when it means that people will hate you so deeply that they vow to come under a curse if they don't follow through on murdering you? What about following Jesus there? I told you it wasn't going to get any better immediately. Man, when I hear that, that is challenging to me. When I hear that, that blows up the convenient Christianity that I am so used to and that's so prevalent in our Christian church circles. It challenges me to be more radical for Jesus, where like Paul, I'm not only willing to be imprisoned for the sake of the gospel, but I'm willing to ultimately pay the ultimate price for the sake of the gospel. My third point is this. God's purposes are unstoppable. God's purposes are unstoppable. God is sovereign, church. He is all-powerful, and what He sets out to accomplish will be accomplished because He is God. Regardless of who's president, okay, regardless of where the culture is trending, regardless of our situation or circumstances, God's purposes will be accomplished on earth because God is sovereign and God is all pop, uh, is not all popular, but, but God is all powerful. And what he says he's going to do, he's going to do because he is not a man that he would lie. Yeah. Isaiah 24, 14 says this, the Lord almighty has sworn, surely as I have planned, so it will be. And as I have purposed, so it will be happen. When we look at the world around us and watch the news and see the brokenness around us, it's easy to think that darkness is stronger than light, Uh, that Satan has won, but we cannot forget that God is ultimately in control and his purpose and plan for humanity is going to be accomplished. And we can stand on that and we can be confident of that. When everything seems glim in Paul's life, he is reminded that God's purposes are unstoppable. He is reminded of the sovereignty and the uh, omnipotence of the God he serves. And I want to tell you something, church. If things look glim in your life today, I want to remind you that God's purposes for your life are unstoppable. Let's continue reading in 
uh, Acts 23. But Paul's nephew, his sister's son, heard of their plan and went to the fortress and told Paul. Paul called for one of the Roman officers and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something important to tell him. So the officer did, explaining, Paul the prisoner called me over and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. Verse 19, the commander took his hand, led him aside and asked, what is it you want to tell me? Paul's nephew told him, some Jews are going to ask you to bring Paul before the high council tomorrow, pretending they want to get some more information. But don't do it. There are more than 40 men hiding along the way ready to ambush him. They have vowed not to eat or drink anything until they have killed him. They are ready now, just waiting for your consent. Don't let anyone know you told me this. The commander warned the young man. This is absolutely amazing and speaks to the sovereignty and protection of God for all of those who, are, who love him and are called according to his purpose. In the midst of this organized plot and scheme to kill Paul, the Lord raises up an unlikely ally in Paul's nephew who hears about the plot and goes to Paul and the Roman commander and tells him all about what these people are conspiring to do. If God has given you an assignment, he is going to see it through, church. Romans 8, 28 says this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. If you love God and have been given an assignment to accomplish, all of heaven is on your side. All of heaven is on your side. The promises of God are yes and amen to you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. There is a supernatural protection that you are given if you are called according to the purposes of God. God is both the author and the finisher of our faith. Not only does he start a work in us, but he also finishes the work that he starts. Paul tells us in Philippians that he that began, that began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Amen? He is the one that is going to carry it on to completion. So you don't have to worry about where the finances are going to come from. You don't have to worry about where the resources are going to come from. You don't have to worry about where the people are going to come from. I'm preaching to myself right now, okay? You don't have to worry about where that promotion is going to come from. If you know that God has given you an assignment and you are on a detour and it looks impossible right now, you need to know that he is the one that's going to carry it on to completion. Our job is to be faithful and obedient and follow Jesus. It's his job. It's the Spirit's work to carry it on to completion. Amen? Some of you are filled with anxiety right now because you are trying to carry on to completion what God started inside of you. You are trying to take into your own hands what the Spirit birthed inside of you. And so you are filled with angst. You are filled with stress and you are filled with worry because you are trying to do God's job in your life. It is He that is faithful to carry on to completion that which He started in you. It is He that is the author and the finisher of your faith. 
Trust God and trust the process that he is taking you on. Jesus told Paul that he was going to bring the gospel to Rome. Okay? Jesus told Paul to be encouraged, to take courage, because I want you to proclaim the gospel in Rome. And then 40 Jewish people conspire and plot to kill Paul. Who's going to win this battle? Verse 23, then the commander, the Roman commander, called two of his officers and ordered, get 200 soldiers ready to leave for Caesarea at 9 o'clock tonight. Also, take 200 spearmen and 70 mounted troops. Provide horses for Paul to ride and get him safely to Governor Felix. I want us, I know this is not school, but I want us to do a little math together, okay? Can we put that slide up for a moment? Okay, we've got on one side 40 conspirators plotting to kill Paul. We've got on the other side two centurions, 200 soldiers, if that wasn't enough, 200 spearmen, if that wasn't enough, 70 mounted troops, okay? So it's 40 random Jews that want to kill Paul <laughs> against 472 trained Roman soldiers who are commanded to get Paul safely to Governor Felix. Who's going to win this battle? I think it's going to be what God purposed Paul to do. Amen? God's purposes will be accomplished one way or another because he is God. And if I could have the worship team come up. If you are in the center of God's will for your life, you can rest in the hope that what he started in your life, he is going to carry on until it is completed, church. If you are in the center of God's will for your life, you can rest in the hope that God is working on your behalf and God is causing all things to work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. It might not feel good right now. It might not look good right now. It might not smell good right now. But you have got to trust God that the Spirit is working on your behalf many times behind closed doors. Many times the work of the Spirit is unseen, right? But He is working all of those things together, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And when He calls you to something and when He gives you an assignment... Our sovereign, all-powerful God is going to carry it on to completion because He is God. And so, church, I want to encourage you today, if you're struggling today, if you feel like what God has called you to do looks nothing like what you're doing right now, if you feel like the assignment that's on you is impossible, I want to encourage you today that you don't, as Priscilla prayed earlier, that you don't serve a, a limited God. God is not limited. He's not limited by time. He's not limited by circumstances. He's not limited by your uh, situation. He's not limited by your mistakes. Okay? We serve an all-powerful, limitless God. And so I want to encourage you today that if God has called you, He's going to protect you. If God has called you, He's going to lead you. If God has called you, He's going to guide you. If God has called you, He is going to make it happen. Some of you in here today 
okay? Some of you need to be encouraged by that. Others of you are trying to work all of these things out in your own strength. And you need to trust God. Yeah. And you need to be led by the Spirit. And you need to, and you need to know in your heart that, that the one that began the work is the one that's going to carry you through. Okay? And so, and so when you know that, when you understand that, and when you stand on that, that anxiety will go. That stress and that worry that's making you sick is going to be released from you. That heaviness that you're feeling right now, it's going to be released from you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.